This is the Growth Gossip Podcast, where we talk about growth. But what exactly is growth? We are going to find out what's behind this buzzword. Hosted by yours truly, Michal, of Yoke Workspace and Community in Krakow. And me, Romeo Mann, founder of Mann Digital. You're the man. <laughs> hey, Romeo. So who are we talking to today? Today we are talking with Daria, Daria Plona. She is working at this company called Grand Parade. And do you know Daria? Yeah, actually, she was my ex-boss at Electrolux, mm-hmm. where we were working in learning and development. But we will go in more details about how you are growing this huge tech company uh, here in Krakow and was the experience of being acquired by another company. Actually, it's a funny story. She wanted to go in a smaller company right. and then she ended up in uh, this big company that w- yeah. got acquired in the meantime. So it would be interesting. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. Yeah. Hey, Daria, welcome to the show. Welcome to Growth Gossips. Hello, guys. Hey, Michal. Hey. So this would be a good one because Daria was my ex-boss in Electrolux. Ages ago. Ages ago, yeah. And we were working in a learning and development team. Mm -hmm. What does that mean for you? Learning and development. Yeah. Uh, I'm assuming it's about, in a sort of a company setting, I'm assuming it's about how to get your, the employee, how, how to get the team to progress their their skills their knowledge Daria uh, is that is that correct that was a large part of it I would say I mean that seems like common sense <laughs> yeah. but but I'm sure there's a lot lot more to it so Daria for the audience how would you describe learning and development so yeah learning and development is about I mean helping so the department would be dealing with well any programs that are designed to help the employees grow and to change the company culture into the culture of learning. Many companies are aspiring to to that. Usually within a department like that, you would also hold processes connected with like performance management, any any kind of assessment of the performance of 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 the teams individuals in the in the teams as well uh, talent processes as well that was part of part of what we've done at Electrolux as well so basically in in other words we were helping the managers in Electrolux facilitating this is i think the better word to better assess different competencies of their people with different skills behaviors even at one one point so hard skills and soft skills and then trying to to facilitate the development of that and this facilitation can happen through seeking for third party trainers or organizations or inside the organization right would that also involve after let's say an assessment to change somebody's role into something that might be a better fit for them or or is that a rare circumstance when we're talking generally what you could do within learning and development that could absolutely be one of the scenarios i don't remember cases of us actually being involved in anything like that 
mm-hmm. like that b- back then. But but the theory yeah. is that. So either way, so Daria was the one that told me. I still remember, Romeo. You need to build your own company because. Here you put too many questions. Have <laughs> I told you that? <laughs> at, at least that's what I want to remember. So in a way you pushed me. So thank you for that. <laughs> so now we are back here, and you are head of people of Grand Parade. So what does this head of people mean? Because some that don't know this HR world and look at your LinkedIn would be okay. Mm-hmm. So is this a cult that uh, <laughs> we need to have head of people? So I'm, I'm responsible f- in Grand Parade for everything that is people related. That's the area that is very often, re- I mean, referred to as human resources. Not that I really like that phrase. I prefer mm-hmm. to think of people as people rather than mm-hmm. resources. So I'm very happy that our company has actually changed the mm, naming but well i'm responsible for everything that is connected with people so from hiring them so how we employ not I mean, my team's not recruiting directly we work mm-hmm. with a third party to do that but in setting up the strategies for looking for talent how we brand ourselves everything connected with the employee experience as long as they are with us. So we work uh, very closely with the line managers to well, advise on any, any cases. It's about really, well, how we develop talent, mm-hmm. how we develop people, uh, how we build the right culture mm-hmm. in the company, how we engage the teams, how we make it work in general. I mean, we wouldn't be able to do what we need to do if we didn't have, you know, we really highly performing and engaged teams. So I think we have a few topics here because I would really love to go into the organizational culture because we had a few episodes where we talked about organizational culture. So this is interesting perspective from a bigger corporation, let's say. And also I would like to go back a little bit to this transformation that you mentioned. So in the past it was human resources, right? And I suppose when companies were calling human resources, it was because of a particular culture in those organizations. And then this transformation happened to people, right? And you like it much more. How, how does it differentiate? How do you see, you know, do companies really behave differently by, you know, just mentioning resources versus people or is the same thing or is just a naming thing or how do you see that? So for me, for us, I think it was just changing the naming convention. I mean, I've mm-hmm. been with the company for five and a half, soon six years. And like, I, I never really seen us treating people as human resources. I think it was always there. We were just somehow slow to change the... So uh, how, what are the differences? What would you say would be the differences? I mean... So when you're talking about people department, people team, it, it really means you take them I in, you really take people as the heart of the organization and you know it starts with them and it's all about how engaged your teams are mm-hmm. compared to, you know, here's our business priorities and how do we need to plan resources to deliver on these priorities, okay, right? 
how would you define engagement? Because that's something that you've you've mentioned several times. So engagement is how for me it's about how to what extent people really care and really identify with what they do and the company way they work for, how passionate they feel about what they what they do. Is it just is work just, you know, a place they come to earn the living and go home as soon as they finish what is required? Or would they actually you know, go one better, as we say in mm-hmm. Electrolux, to make sure that, you know, they, the company grows, but they grow with it as well. D- does that encompass sort of a sense of belonging and a, a sense of uh, ownership, would you say? Absolutely. I mean, both of these, um, both of these words are very important also for, for us. So owning is, is one of our company culture. Uh, company values and it's yeah i mean i can't imagine an engaged person without this feeling of of owning owning it whatever they do whatever you know happens in the workplace and what was the other one said belonging yeah yeah so i mean if you do not feel like you're a genuine part of the organization I mean, you, you're never going to get that level of engagement to, you know, truly, truly do, I mean, be your best at work. Right, because that, on a team level, that also an allows for more collaboration because you actually feel like you're not an individual who's just hired to do a, a specific role, but you're sort of working in this ecosystem and, and you want that harmony. Yeah, and... Look how much more difficult it became now when, you know, for the last two years we've been working mostly remotely. People haven't had so many face-to-face interactions. Teams, you know, for longer periods of time didn't have that direct interaction. It's been so much more difficult to make people feel that they, you know, they really truly are part of a team rather than, you know, individuals doing their beat in a project. But let's go back a bit to when you started working with Grand Parade, because that's mm-hmm. an interesting story. You were telling me that after um, Electrolux, you were ready to join a software house, a smaller company, because Electrolux is huge, and join this small 150 or how many, 130 people organization, you know, have uh, see the impact that you're having to your job much faster, let's say, because let's be honest, it's a smaller organization. So mm. uh, how was that transition? Yeah, I mean, so the, the whole decision about moving, it was about growth. It was, I mean, I was taking on a more responsible role, moving from a role quite similar to like HR business partnering role within mm-hmm. Electrolux to a role of HR manager in in Grand Parade, responsible for the function in a software house that, well, didn't really have any HR before. So that was a big challenge. I was slightly afraid of it, but decided to take... So uh, you were the first person in HR... Okay, well, not 
Exactly that. There was an HR manager. There was an HR manager before. Mm -hmm. uh, she worked there for a couple of months. And then, well, she actually recommended me for that for that role. Mm -hmm. But for, that, for this couple of months, she actually only had possibility to focus on recruitment. There, there was just... So, so much zero. work. Yeah. There was mm -hmm. so much work connected with recruitment that so many other things, I mean, didn't even start. So you thought that you go to this small local company, but actually it grew in two years. It doubled the size in two years, right? I mean, the, well, the funny thing was that I discovered on my first day or second day, on my second day, I was uh, told that this software house, the owner of which I met a few weeks earlier, the whole software house is now being bought by, by a large company. So I'm not going to be on my own <laughs> doing the people stuff. I actually, so on that day too, I met my new manager, who was the director of, of the HR department back then at, at mm -hmm. William Hill. And I mean, we... Actually, we really, I guess, we trusted each other from day one. So it really, it really helped. This was, I mean, this was surprising. This was really not expected. I mean, I was going to change the environment completely, going out of the corporate world into more of a startup kind of organization. Uh, well, but it very quickly turned out that I'm back to the uh, <laughs> okay. corporate uh, world. But to be honest, like I, I think it turned out only, only for the good for me. I mean, I was definitely able to use the experience I've, uh, I've had from my previous jobs. So walk us through, because for sure uh, we are curious and also the audience, how does uh, fast growth like that look like when you are in the middle of it, right? So doubling in two years, it's, it's quite a lot. So... What do you do as an You focus first, like at one point, at what point you focus on organizational culture? At what point you focus on just recruitment? At what point you focus just on, I don't know, learning and training and, or you do everything at once or how do you prioritize? Because for me, it's like super hard to comprehend such growth. Yeah, no, not that I have an, you know, like ready recipe. I suppose, I mean, did. when, when um, we did prioritize recruitment, that was obvious. We needed to grow fast. That was an expectation from the new owner from William Hill that, mm -hmm. we, that we're going to take on many projects, many more than we were able to, to take initially. So recruitment was a huge priority. But at the same time, well, we, we knew that, you know, we need to develop other things and be ready to have all the, all the people on board. When recruiting, you're able to, I mean, take care of the culture already. Well, and first of all, I mean, the organization I joined had a culture, a strong culture, right? So it was a question of how do we keep the best of it and how does it need to change mm. because it is now part of a much larger organization. We need to blend somehow the two exactly, cultures. Yeah, mm. but... It's not like, you know, you start from, from the stretch. And I, I have to say, I mean, I've always liked the Grand Parade culture, mm -hmm. the culture of entrepreneurship, of ownership, of having fun. So 
I'm, I'm really glad we've actually managed to keep quite a lot of it for all these years. Okay, so uh, when we talk about these cultures and you blend it in with recruitment, I suppose mm-hmm. it's like you are looking what type of people does this culture need, yeah, and what type of people we, we, we recruit on this, right? Is it, is it correct? Yeah, it's what kind of people you're looking for, but also what kind of people you ask to recruit, mm. right? Who are the guys that you show to the candidates? What kind of language they speak? What kind of behaviors can be observed? Because, th- you know, that's the message to the market as well. And some people would accept the offer, some people will not. Also based on, you know, what they see, what they hear during the during the interviews. So how do you do this blending of this organizational culture? Did you have some kind of external trainers, consultants, or you did it internally? Weren't there some conflicts there? Because I suppose it's also cultural differences, right? Like one is British, the other, you mainly had Polish here, right? Yeah, at that, at, that, at that time it was mostly Polish people. That has changed a lot over uh, the years. Recently we've hired a lot of people from all over the world. But yeah, five years ago we were mostly, I mean, most of the team here in Krakow were Polish, a couple of Ukrainian people maybe. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, we were all quite, so you know, had quite similar background. Mm, how, d- we, we didn't, really bring like external trainers or facilitators to learn us to teach us or learn with us how you know how how we take this culture forward we have however i mean one thing that has helped was how we focus on actually making sure the teams work together that we work across locations that we were not just a tech hub left alone in Krakow to do their own thing, but we really, really close with the other offices and people from Krakow were traveling a lot to the UK, to Jib, and and guys from there were, were coming to see us. And sometimes it was just a couple of days, sometimes they stayed for mm-hmm. uh, a good while. <laughs> Don't worry. phone so on how do I even do not disturb okay mm. yeah so w- w- what I'm also curious about that if if you would let's let's make a scenario in which you you would mentor a startup that was just acquired and this startup has their own culture the new bosses, the big guys who bought them, different culture. What would you advise this startup not to have huge conflict with the big guys and the other way around? Well, I, I guess the advice would really be to, I mean, get to know each other. People are not that different when you really sit down and, and start talking to them. Now, if the cultures were completely different, well, I'm not sure. One thing, well, to, to be honest, there's one thing that you can always 
you can always expect, and I would probably share that with the startup. Some people will leave. Some mm -hmm. of even some of your really good, I mean, some of your high performers will leave because they will not like the culture after the marriage. And you need to accept that kind of not everybody, the company will be changing. And you, I mean, you, you need to let some people go. If they are not happy with the direction, then, I mean, you, you will find the new, new people who will get along and mm -hmm. who will help you rebuild the company with the kind of new idea. You, Michal, had a similar story, right? You worked with a corporation and then they were getting right. bigger and bigger. And then how was that for you? Well, it, it actually even happened. So where I used to work at, it was a company here. And well, I should say my former bosses, they were working for a company that was, I don't know, I'm going to say like 100, 150 people, something like that, maybe bigger. And they had their office in this and that here in Krakow and some f bigger French corporation bought them out. And as soon as that happened, my boss and a few of his friends who were working at the same company, they recognized that there was a big shift in the company culture. And they also had this epiphany that they have enough skills, enough knowledge to potentially at this point start something of their own. So the four of them, each one of them sort of coming from a different part of the company, services, product, sales, and sort of operations, they all just sort of left that company, started their own thing, sort of in the similar industry, and they started growing that. And so I joined them pretty much in the beginning. First, it was just very, very much part-time. and. Uh, I joined full-time when it was about 20 people. And when we got to around 50, 60, I started noticing like a change in, in the culture. It just, you know, there'd be new people showing up and I wasn't sure, hey, is this guy here to clean the air condition vents or is this like one of the new top developers, you know? Mm -hmm. But definitely once we got over 100, and I remember we had this one Monday when we had 10 people show up, 10 new, 10 new yeah. hires. And I just remember everyone just sort of, just sort of looking around like, hey, what's happening here? You know? I mean, that's mm -hmm. bad. Like, then, I mean, for me, that's cool. Like, awesome. It, it's it, growing. I think there was a sense of excitement about it because obviously it's a sign of growth. And, uh, but at the same time, it's, it's change. Yeah. And I think people... Depending on how you're feeling or, or, or where you are at in things. But, but it also sort of starts creating more expectations because now all of a sudden there's probably more pressure on management to, to make sure that those projects are coming in and, and, and all that stuff. So, I don't know. For me, once I got to over 100, I just didn't feel like it was, it was my place anymore. Also, my role began to change. It, it became much more specialized. Where in the beginning, it was sort of like the Wild West, and uh, I was doing version one of everything, and it was pretty yeah. exciting. So there was just a lot of, but, but later on, it just became more and more people became involved, and uh, we would often say, like, there's too many cooks in the kitchen, mm. and uh, yeah. That sounds familiar. Like, yeah. I remember the shock some of our people had when they used to do kind of everything 
in the in the project themselves they would deploy to production themselves and suddenly there were all the other people that needed to get get involved mm-hmm. and they didn't quite know how the system worked yeah. they didn't quite know all the guys so it was upsetting for some I think for some people they do fine in that sort of specialized role, but I, I know myself that I like having that sort of freedom to make mistakes, but make them on my own without other people or 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 waiting or having that sense that someone else is waiting for me to finish a part of my. No, I, I sort of prefer to sort of try to have this sort of chaotic mess in my head until I'm finally have to deliver whatever I'm supposed to deliver. Like that works fine for me. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a different way of learning mm-hmm. and growing, and this is actually what we want to discuss here in this podcast. That there, are, if you are this type of personality, like you, Mihao, it's you. T- you learn totally differently, and you need a particular organization in which you learn. And some other people have, you know, they need order, right? So, and this is. This takes me to the next question. You saw this transformation. Were there some type of people that you guys were hiring at the beginning when you were growing? And did that change or it was all the way the same? One big shift I I have definitely noticed was when we were growing, we were absolutely super committed to only hiring the best of the best and the super senior very very experienced guys we okay. knew that grand parade was I mean, it was really important that we we have a lot of skills we have very strong teams to be able to deliver on the projects we were able to mm-hmm. deliver but and we needed to scale quickly so it wasn't the right time for us to be hiring juniors for example mm-hmm. and a couple of years later i mean i think it was four years ago so after two years i've managed to convince uh, our senior leaders that it's time to start looking at emerging talent programs and start looking to uh, get on board some interns and then you know, grow them. So some of the interns who started with us this mm-hmm. three, four, three, four years ago are now well senior developers, right? So, so, but it wasn't the right it wasn't the right moment initially. I, to be honest, like I was, I was in the position from the beginning that mm-hmm. we should be allowing some junior people into the teams, but that mm-hmm. was quite a strong pushback from the business. I would say initially. They didn't believe they had space for that. It was like, let's grow the teams first. They need to be senior enough to have the competences to, to mentor others. And I'd say that was probably right for us. Mm-hmm. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I would assume that people who are more senior are, are sort of more established in their ways and maybe less likely to adapt to, to a new environment. Mm-hmm. Or, or, were, or you, were you hiring people who you felt senior people who you felt would be a good fit yeah it was looking for people with the, who would be the right fit but also i think the tech environment the tech community is actually quite adaptable i mean all these guys 
are actually quite open to learning new things, trying new... They, they have to. Exactly. So evolving. it wasn't like we were not too afraid that when hiring seniors, we will get people who will always want to do things as they used to do them, right? Mm -hmm. uh, because they were exactly part of their motivation to change jobs was to learn how to do things differently, how other businesses do them. And for us... Hiring seniors was a way also to learn from other businesses how they do things, right? I mean, mm. hiring people who can bring the expertise and can share their experience. Okay, so I suppose that at the beginning, you just basically need to create that foundational skills and competencies on top of which you can later on put these mentoring programs with more juniors, let's let's say, right? yeah, or I interns. Exactly. I mean, still the majority of our teams are quite experienced, but and so we're going to be doing another internship program this summer. And the idea is every intern gets to a different team, mm -hmm. and they are just it's just one intern in a team. Okay. Uh, so they're going to be surrounded by by really. So how are the teams structured? Like how many people are in teams, or how is it? Depending on what they work on, but it's like five to maximum ten people. Mm -hmm. Okay. So if if somebody wants to join Grand Parade, like um, at at this stage, right? And we are looking at, I suppose there are technical skills, which is pretty much obvious, but to fit in the organizational culture, what what are the things you're looking at? It's definitely growth mindset. I mean, people really want to need to want to learn, be open to ideas, be happy to um, explore new opportunities, be very open for collaboration with other people. I mean, mm -hmm. communication skills are super important here. We would be, I mean, as obvious as it, as it sounds, but as, I mean, the ability to speak English is really crucial for us because the teams are international yeah, yeah, and yeah, without without English. I mean, th there are many tech companies in Krakow who would accept people kind of basic English, able to, able to I don't know, read more mm -hmm, than talk. Mm -hmm. But like for, for us, it's actually really important. So I'm, I'm curious now, you're still working remotely, right? I mean, the office is open and we are encouraging people to start coming back, but like, it's not going to be, it's never going to be like, you know, we're back to the office and, and we're, we're there. Kind of expectation is 20% of the time in the office, but it's not even like every week. It's not like, you know, you need to be there a day in a because week, just 20% in general, right? I'm just wondering, like, when I was an intern and if I would need to work remotely, it would be super hard for me to even get, you know, somehow close to that culture, right? Because I'm, I'm just trying to think out loud. Being at home and saying that I am in an organizational culture, yeah, not really, because I cannot <coughs> engage with those people. I'm hmm. here with with the things I have and... and that's it. And then I go in these calls and people talk to me about engagement and culture and so on. And I, I don't feel it because yeah. I'm here. <laughs> so yeah. uh, how, how, did you, how did you manage that? Because uh, as a head of people in these two years of pandemic. 
Well, as as well as we could, we were try, trying to organize virtual things. We were working with leaders and upskilling leaders so that they can actually engage with the with the teams. And mm-hmm. you know, I mean, you, the thing is, you learn you, you can learn about the culture when you hear leaders talking about engagement, about company values, and so on. But you mostly learn about culture in actually a regular team meeting, in yeah. regular conversation with other people from that company. Yeah, because this the is rest where is blah, blah, yeah? Exactly. This is where the culture really happens, yeah, right? Yeah, this, yeah. Is what you, this is what you see. So it's not like they were separated from, from it totally, but obviously it's a very different experience. So the people we've onboarded during the pandemic couldn't fully get the grasp of, of what it means mm-hmm. to work for Grand Parade, William Hill. And that's, that's the point of now encouraging people to start coming in and for the teams to you know, regularly organize team days in the office so that they can actually, we, we can actually start you know, re- creating that. Again. Because I'm getting a lot of feedback from people that they don't want to go back to office. Like, and how? Because yeah, it's much more comfortable. I don't need to commute. I can wake up like 15 minutes before starting work. How you as head of people? How how you encourage this? Or what what do you guys plan to do to get people back to office? So what one can we learn? one one thing. The, the only thing that I believe will really make the difference is how the teams organize themselves making these coming back to the office every now and then worthwhile. I mean, we can be, and we are, organizing events, you know, bringing pizza in, doing funny stuff, but it only works for, I'd say, 20, 30% of people who are likely to come back to the office anyway. They like being in the office anyway, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so the only thing that will help people change their mind, those who actually prefer staying at home, is if the experience coming to the office actually is valuable for them. So if they have really good interactions, if they really see that the team meeting face-to-face help them create better ideas, that they've learned something new, that they had fun, but like not fun, I don't know, just playing a game, mm-hmm. but had fun, you know, working as a, as a team. Or, well, or, or maybe just, you know, having coffee in the, in the kitchen with the, with the team or some team members and just experiencing, you know, it's, it's just different. So the social part. But by the way, how yeah. do you guys get people I, to office? I was, <laughs> was going to say this because I always, w- when I, uh, I'm overhearing people speak on this topic of, like I was talking to my former boss, I went for a run with him and he said, ah, Michal, I'm, I'm having trouble getting my workers back into the office and I want them at least half of the time, like h- hybrid, whatever. And, and as he's talking about it, because I, I, I used to be part of that company, so I know those people. And I'm just thinking like, wow, because currently right now here at Yolk, we are full. <laughs> We're at full capacity. And we have people who are coming to us and paying us to be in, a, in an office, right? And, uh, and, and somehow we've managed to fill up our, all of our desks and, and, and other spaces. But I think what you said, it's, you need to make it worth their while to come. They need to see the value in it. And a big part of my role is I see 
me sort of trying to encourage and, and sort of support the the personal and professional growth of my members. Obviously, I can't touch everybody in the same way because I don't know everybody's needs and preferences the same way. But but that's why day in, day out, I try to nourish the, the relationships that I have with my clients. Obviously, some people are, are a little bit, we just click more than others. And, and therefore, I'm able, I think, to have a bigger impact on them. But I'm constantly looking for ways to give them a little boost, a little nudge professionally and personally. And a lot of that just means having them in the back of my mind. And when I come across something that I'm reading, I'm watching a conversation that I'm having with somebody, or I meet a new person, or just an opportunity sort of pops up, I think, ah, I could connect this idea with Miwash. Oh, Mm. I could connect this person with Tom. And then I'll go to them and say, hey, I have this. Do, do, do with this idea, do with this introduction to this person what you want, but I'm offering this to you. So I, I see a lot of the value that we create. It's not fast internet and a desk and, and a comfortable chair. It's, it's really us connecting people with other people and connecting people with ideas. That way they could just sort of... But, but do, this do networking cannot happen that well if everyone is remote, sitting at home. I mean, For sure, Theoretically, yeah. it could, but like somehow... I, I th- y- uh, another question that. that I had for you mm. was, I, I imagine that between home office and office office, that different personalities shine in those environments. And I often think about like introverts and extroverts and, and just just because I do much me- much better when it's one on one conversations or one on two. But as soon as it's like one on 10, I just sort of get lost and I'm sort of overwhelmed because I don't know where to focus my attention. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of shut down and I just become very, very passive in those types of environments. I'm not exactly sure if that's the rule. Okay. If that, like I, I see that some of our colleagues who came to the office regularly for all these two years. The office stayed open all the time and people could come if they preferred. So some of them are probably quite introvert, but still, you know, it was maybe easier for them to have that clear boundary between the home, the life at home and the and 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 their family life right. and work at home. And, well, actually, I mean, if you're an introvert and you live with your family in a noisy flat, you may actually really prefer to come to the office and choose a quiet, co- I mean, choose a quiet corner and just have your eight hours coding in peace and quiet, right? Especially if the office is 20% occupied or whatever, yeah. Yeah, so I, I, I suppose there are different personas here at the end of the day because... People who come to a community and a workspace like Yoke, they are more individuals, freelancers, people that maybe are even looking for clients, right? I remember when I started seven years ago that I wanted to go in these communities because that's how I network and I will find clients versus 
organization companies where you don't need to worry about this fact and also uh, maybe they there are m- more people with families in 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 organizations like grand parade than you know individuals and freelancers right so maybe that can be also uh, I, i'm just thinking out loud regarding the the personas that are in co-working right I don't know, f- from my experience like because obviously in the in the first few months of us having yoke i had my sort of mm, perception of oh i think we're only going to attract people like this and this and i thought of it as a very narrow range mm. but as i think about my members now it's Diverse. it's it's all over the place mm. Which is which is wonderful. <laughs> That's how I like it. And secondly, I don't know what the secondly was, but yeah, it's 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 all over the place. And 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 I think everyone is just somewhere on the spectrum, and and just something pushes them over that ledge to to commit to something like this, or even to to dabble in it. Like, yes, we do have dedicated desks, which are sort of more for people who come to us every day but we also have people who are paying monthly fees for a dedicated desk but they only come in once a week mm. but for them that type of arrangement makes sense to them and we also have people who don't need a desk they take advantage of our sort of cafe space and they'll come in maybe just once a month once a week or every day but they they want to be around people they don't need a desk and they just they just want that sort of hum that white noise of of people who they sort of see regularly but at the same time they don't have any responsibilities to them like yeah. one great example for me was we used to have this one young woman she was working in the financial industry doing audits and things like this and she bought a membership at yolk she was coming in and uh, remember her telling me that she her office is 5 minutes away from ours <laughs> despite that 5 <laughs> minutes walking right. despite that she liked coming to to yoke because there's nobody looking over her shoulder there was nobody by the coffee machine who was going to say hey when are you going to finish this and that nobody asking her about stuff here she could focus on her work because it's a work environment she sees other people doing work but at the same time she's doesn't have all of those obligations that she would in the office mm. well, that's really interesting yeah i'd say but kind of in the companies that like us embrace the hybrid working now with majority of the time actually being at home I, I, i don't even expect people in the office being so super productive for me when they come to the office i want them to spend as much time at the coffee machine as much time chatting to their colleagues as possible right they will catch up with the regular work when they're back home the best use of the time is actually when they when they network when they collaborate when they are with other people. Yeah, that that's what I've been hearing more and more about people talking about the future of an office of it being much more of a lobby of this sort of open space, a flexible space. It encourages encourages collaborative work and and 
and just for people to sort of meet to, to do different things. But one more thing, because earlier we were talking about y- you need to make the office worthwhile to come to. And I remember hearing this from somebody who was working for a furniture company, an office furniture company. And he said something like, if, if you're able to get your employees to have another friend in the office, you increase their productivity, you increase their sense of satisfaction, like 70% or something like that, just by them having another friend in the office. And I often see myself as also sort of playing matchmaker and trying to get people connected, people who I think have the potential to be friends. Yeah, I think it makes a huge difference. Like, I mean, you're going to be looking forward mm-hmm. to coming to the office yeah. if you know that yeah. you're going to meet people who are your friends rather than just, yeah. you know, people you uh, and happen then, to work with. Yeah, and like in this sense, like you're not trying to connect that one per one person to this giant culture. You're really just trying to get them connected to at least one person, which is usually a much easier thing to do. And, and going to create a, a much stronger bond than trying to create them with this universal culture. Yeah, w- w- what's interesting, at least in, in our company, mm, small company, like we are 12 now, but we didn't work online that much. And we are a digital mm. company, right? Now, after, you know, the relaxations, actually everyone comes every day to work, right? Like they from time to time work from home. And we did that because we felt that in our field, we need to learn things very fast. And for that to happen with juniors, we need inspiration, right? So usually inspiration comes from the seniors and the the fact that, and also maybe I don't know, in marketing, the personality of the social connection is super important, right? So because all the time you are trying to do these social connections, at least online, so Mm. you feel like you need it also in in offline. So yeah, so what, what we looked at is learning. How fast can we learn? And we realized that growing a home, especially at the beginning of your career, alone, it's pretty much hard because um, you need a lot of guidance. You need a lot of directions daily, right? How, how do you guys do that? How do you grow the interns? How do, what programs do you have for that? Because for I'm us, this is gut feel, like mm-hmm. no process. Yeah, and I don't think, I mean, so we, we leave it to the teams, actually, how they do that. And, you know, the last two groups of interns were brought in during the pandemic with restrictions, with teams mostly working remotely. And I don't know exactly how they structured that. I'm not going to pretend, but the feedback I have is that the interns who were onboarded remotely are, are as good and has grown as quickly as the previous ones. Mm, so that didn't have a huge it didn't have a huge impact on how quickly they've they they learned. And they they had to do it differently. There had to be different ways of interact 
interaction of how we how we shared the knowledge. But yeah, they were able to still still learn quickly. So that means your recruitment process is pretty cool to find some people that you know grow fast even in an environment like that. Yeah, and I suppose I mean we also have people who are really glad to share the knowledge right it's not because one thing is you need to pick the right people to be your to to be the interns that are joining the company but the second thing is to just make sure that you team them up with those who really want to really want to share and we have i mean just wanted to comment as well kind of go back to what we were talking about how we were when we were talking about these different personalities right so Mihao said, you know, all different types of personalities in uh, Yolk right now. I would say exactly the, the, the same here. We have, a vari- we have a variety and this kind of, I want to go back to the office or I don't want to go back to the office. We, ha- we have a mix. We have like every, every kind of attitude. And so an interesting thing about like exit interviews, mm-hmm. when people leave and... Some of them, we, ha- we had people saying that they decided to leave because we want them back. Because like this 20% is just too much. They don't ever want to be in the office. And there are companies who offer fully remote options and this is what they are choosing. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. If, you know, the company has different expectations. They have different expectations. But an interesting thing is I also talked to a person leaving us who said... Is actually leaving because we're not bringing people back to the office. Mm. He's tired of the empty office, nobody to talk to, and he is actually joining a company that is working, that is back to the office, and they expect everyone to be there most of the time. And that was super interesting, right? You will have people dissatisfied of on you know, both sides of it. Yeah, I suppose uh, we all need to adapt to this new workspace and people's uh, expectations uh, towards that. I think going back to the very beginning of the conversation when we were talking about human resources and people, it's when I think people, I think just seeing people as humans and being aware of the fact that just people, humans... We, we vary so much in terms of what uh, motivates us, what, what, where, where we gain satisfaction from. And uh, like as I think about my members and I, as I walk through the different rooms and floors every day just to make sure, making sure everything's all right, it, it used to bother me, for example, when I felt that certain members were not as engaged. But now I've just sort of learned to accept it, that that's just them. And their engagement, they just sort of show, show their engagement in different ways. And maybe I haven't tapped that, or maybe I just don't see it. But I've just sort of grown to accept the fact that I can't accept everybody to be super enthusiastic and, and, and joking around all the time. And that's sort of made things a lot easier for me because I just don't stress it anymore. No longer do I think, oh, they're not having a good time. They're having a good enough time because they've been with us for a year. If something was not right, they would have probably moved on to something else. So, yeah. But now at the end, I would like to understand a bit for the audience, how do you become a 
ahead of people. Like, if someone here mm. listening would love to be at one point, because it's a cool, cool job. Like, you care about the growth of the people, you recruit them, you look at the engagement, the organizational culture. It's mm. it's. Uh, oh, it's have I? Have I said that it's also more of the kind of down-to-earth things? It's also kind of, I mean, I'm also <laughs> responsible for things like the people, will, I mean, the documents, the administration, HR administration, I would still call it, right, for, for this, like <laughs> all the contracts and and things like that, getting people paid on time. Yeah, it's also part I mean, of my I suppose uh, you don't do everything alone, right? You have a no, team. I don't. I, I do have a really, really good team. So how do you become a head of people? What's so important? For, yeah, so kind of for, for me, and I think in most cases, in most people who would, who would have similar roles, you grow within the area quite often. I mean, I started in recruitment, and I think a lot of people, th- this is probably the easiest. Mm. I mean, there are quite many opportunities for uh, people to start their career as recruiters. So that that's how I started. And because because you talk to a lot of people, you understand them, why, why this recruitment is uh, so helpful for uh, at the beginning. And you, and you start building, I mean, you, you talk to, you, you talk to, well, you, you talk to the candidates, Mm-hmm. But you also talk to the managers who represent the company. So you start understanding both perspectives, right? The employee, the person working in the company, but also what the company needs and, and so on. So this is a good place to start. I'm not saying the only one. There are people who start in different places. But that was my beginning. And starting with an agency, a recruitment agency, getting some consultant experience with other people-related projects, which were like, I mean, yeah, development centers, so assessing people's competences, I mean, a, a, a number of projects. Uh, then I actually moved in-house, and that's actually my story of moving to Electrolux is also very interesting, mm-hmm. because Electrolux was one of my clients when I worked in the agency, Agietest, a really famous famous old Krakow recruitment and consulting uh, consulting business. So I was working for Electrolux for a couple of years and had really, really great relationships with the hiring managers there. Like something I have never seen in any other company. Like they would never treat me as a, you know, just a recruiter working there for a fee, but someone they've worked really closely with. So more like, I mean... It so really felt external. like I was external, okay. but it felt like it felt like you know we're one team working on the same objective mm-hmm. of getting the right candidates for the roles, rather than me being a consultant out there working there for money, and they just need to chase me for CVs and and so on. We really worked together. So and that was so different to any other clients that I was like, I just love the culture at that company. And when the opportunity came to move to Electrolux in-house, I've, I've used it. So, but, well, the nice thing was when I moved to work at Electrolux, I already knew a couple of dozens people there mm. uh, because I helped. You had your network, them. yeah. I, I even recruited my boss there. 
No, 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 Renata. So uh, basically, like one of my last projects I've done for Electrolux was recruiting the HR manager. And then the opportunity, so her notice period was quite long. So in the meantime, there was an opportunity to join that team. Mm. And someone else recruited me. But at some point, it just turned out we're starting on the same day. Oh, well. (laughs) So that was super interesting. So... So you actually started with recruitment and then learning and development. As yeah, I, I mean, uh, so initially in Electrolux, it was still recruitment. So I moved as a recruiter, but now working directly at Electrolux. And then transformation of the HR function came at mm. Electrolux. And we moved the setup from working in a local HR department for Electrolux into a shared service center doing HR for the group. Mm. And this is how I landed. I wanted to try something new as recruitment was, you know, I mean, I've been in the recruitment business for a good couple of years. I wanted uh, to try something new. And this is how this is how I've decided to give a try to learning and talent. So basically, you need to touch to get head of people, you need to touch different areas and then aspire for that role. I suppose. I mean, it really helps to get to get experience in different in different aspects. So, kind of when working at Electrolux, at some point, I was like, okay, there's one area which I know very little about, and that was rewards. So, how do you pay? How do you decide mm-hmm. on salaries? You know, how do you work with market data, benchmarks, and so on? So, this was something that. I prioritized at some point. I knew this was going to be another important element. So if you would be 22 now and wanting to still go in HR? I mean, the, the funny thing is I always knew I'm going to end up in HR. Like, I mean, I think even when I was preparing for final exam in secondary school, I knew I kind of, th- this was when I decided what I'm going to study and when I was choosing psychology as my major at university, it was from the beginning, I knew this is psychology, but to work in business. So so let's imagine this, Daria is 22, 23 in 2022. Yeah. Right. Now, and you are aspiring to be head of people, right? You heard this podcast and you thought, okay, this is a role that would be cool to go to. Do you start the same? Like, do you go to a small consulting company before? Do you join a bigger organization? What, what, what would you do? I suppose at the moment, uh, even like more, when I was starting, the job market was really tough. Getting my first job was like a real challenge. And like, I couldn't afford to be picky at that time. At the moment, for example, I think, well, so we have a junior member of our people team uh, mm-hmm. in Grand Parade. And I think she has a great start, actually, you know, working with me, <laughs> working <laughs> with such a cool company. No, but I mean, she gets to touch so many processes. So I think, you know, if I wish I had an opportunity like that, I mean, working inside a company and being able to see and experience and help with so many processes in a company that has mature people function that I, I, I think that that really that can really give you a good kick at the start of your career but i wondered daria how much 
of that is luck or hit and miss and how much is like being aware of okay i'm choosing uh, this organization because i will have great managers because this organization mm-hmm. had these processes so th- this is what i'm trying to ask if you would be 23 now how would you make those decisions like how would you choose it's just hmm. maybe just hit and miss like whatever yeah. comes along let's go with that and then maybe i am lucky as your colleague what's her name Daria as well. Daria, yeah. So maybe Daria is like lucky, right? And ended up in 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 Grand Parade or maybe not. But mm. h- how w- if you would advise someone, how would you choose that? What would you look at? Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say it's just a question of luck. It's good to have an idea what you want to do. Keep it flexible, keep it open. Like would you uh, check the manager like would you go on linkedin and say okay who would be my manager i want to understand more about i it. would definitely i have always looked at a manager i mean who they are as you know an important element of the, my decision of mm-hmm. do i want to work for them or not i mean who you work with uh, who you work for has a huge impact on how much you're going to enjoy Uh, the job and how much you can grow there. So for me, that that's always been more probably the most important factor. So, and I'm not sure if it's you know what you can read in on LinkedIn, but the conversation you're going to have with them, I would yeah, I would say I mean as as a person starting to build your career, always make sure that I mean that it's not just you know do they choose me, do they offer me the job, but kind of make conscious decisions as well, where you want to work, who you want to work with. So remember that you are the one choosing as well and make the right choices. Use the opportunities that come your way. Well, sometimes they will show up quicker. Sometimes you have to, you have to wait. I'd say kind of, so my career has definitely not been a rapid one. Like mm-hmm. I, I haven't been changing jobs very quickly. I haven't been, it's, it's not like a story of, you know, someone being promoted every two years and, and so on. But like, I, I think I've, I've been really growing my skill set and my experience very, very consciously. And that pays off. So would you recommend some certifications or how, like if somebody wants to, you know, Daria, for example, mm-hmm. like before getting started. So th- there are some really good postgraduate studies at the mm-hmm. moment, like in HR, when you can learn about everything that is uh, happening in this people space. So some of some of them have really great, uh, great opinions. So yeah, why not? I mean, can you name some that you pops in my, your mind? I better not. <laughs> because okay. some others will get offended. <laughs> so these are these are no, but that, that, by the, universities, yeah, like yeah, not private. Basically, uh, yes, some of the universities, some of the private universities in in Krakow, other cities as well, organize them. So, so that's that that's one good option. But nothing is as valuable as experience you're going to get hands on. But no school will replace that, and I would. I would discourage people from doing one postgraduate studies after another one and after another one mm-hmm. unless they are able to use it in practice already. I, I don't think it 
massively helps. So this junior role, is it important, this postgraduate uh, studies or it's it's preferable, right? But not necessarily required. I don't think you need it to okay. be able to progress. Your experience and the actual skills are going to be probably more important. But mm. It gives you a good overview. I mean, in the in how quickly things run in business, mm, kind of your manager, your mentors will not be able to show you everything. Mm. So if you can tap to the experience of people from lots of businesses, prepare preparing, you know, really interesting cases because that's that's how this these courses are usually built that you know it's not just theory it's, it's a case study yeah, yeah mm-hmm. it's lots of uh, case studies you get to meet not that i have done any of, of this so like i've beat my career without <laughs> doing any of this hr hr postgraduate studies but i would say yeah someone someone starting now can re- really benefit from hearing about best practice from lots of companies and getting the network actually the network mm. is what really what is really important how you get how you get i mean to exchange your your ideas this is something so i've, I've this is something i i am quite passionate about i think 10 years ago when i was still at electrolux with a colleague uh, of mine we started a group called hairovnia which is an, a very informal group of of um, HR. hr folks in in krakow and I think it's, yeah, it's about 10 years now and we still meet regularly. I mean, there's new people who joined. Some people, you know, disappeared for a couple of years and then joined again. But this is how I get uh, to exchange ideas and to learn, and, uh, yeah, and to learn all the time. Mm-hmm. It's like a constant learning. In, in it's like you guys do open coffee here in can, can can you tell a bit more about how how it's open coffee and maybe maybe how a company like Grand Parade could participate in a community or in sure. events like open coffee? Sure. So open coffee Krakow is an event that's been happening for at least five or six years in Krakow. Yolk has only been around for two two and a half or so, and uh, but we were lucky enough to bring it over to Yolk and. Open Coffee is is meant to be sort of a business friendly business networking event. The first hour just basically allows everybody who shows up at eight o'clock in the morning, which not everybody can do, to share what they're working on, what challenges they're encountering, maybe how they could help others who are there, and uh, yeah, and it's usually just like a two three minute um, pitch. And that's the first hour, everybody from, and it's a lot of, uh, there's students, ambitious students, I would say. There's solopreneurs, there's some consultants, there's some startup people, there's even some angel investors that show up. And the second or hour or half hour is, is just sort of mingling and people just sort of exchanging uh, information. And it's, it's just a pretty casual environment and yeah, so we're we're pretty happy to have it at Yolk. It, it happens every second Thursday at eight a.m. So, if anybody's interested, just search Facebook for Open Coffee Krakow. Sounds great. How many people usually attend? 
I would say bit around 20, 25 lately. Yeah. Right. So yeah, which is pretty much the capacity of our clubhouse. So we're mm. happy. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm not sure if if we were inspired by the open coffee the original crack of open coffee, but at Grand Parade we also have something called open coffee. Mm-hmm. And that's that's something I do with our site leader Tomek, where basically like every well we used to do that every week. Now we probably lost a little a little the re- regularity, but I mean we're we're just inviting people for coffee to have an informal chat, ask whatever questions that they want and and so on. So that I mean we changed the communication pattern from us talking to people at town halls still online town halls mm-hmm, now mm-hmm. and people asking us anonymous questions using you know online tools for asking questions to actually i mean let's sit down and have a proper conversation mm. and this is where we can really under yeah and we can really understand what what's on people's minds mm. so we also do open coffee but it i mean serves slightly different purpose yeah we do an event sort of like that but we just call it breakfast at yoke where we get a local cafe to sort of cater breakfast for us and there's no agenda there's just food on the table and people come and they talk about whatever they want to talk about also Mm. at eight it's a little bit later because i know our members aren't gonna come at eight (laughs) or at seven (laughs) so that starts like at nine nine thirty yeah Cool. So, thanks a lot, Daria. This was a great discussion. Mm. Loved Thank it. you. We had uh, a lot of learnings about Grand Parade, about you, about you know this whole organizational culture and how we can um, grow as individuals. How can f- people find you? I'm on Facebook. I'm on LinkedIn. So, LinkedIn, you're mainly the, Daria the place to be. Plana. Yes, Daria absolutely. Cool, we will put also the link. Thanks a lot again. Thank you. Thank you, Michal. Oh, th- thank you, guys. <laughs> hey, Michal, so what did you learn today from Daria? Daria is so full of life and, and full of personality. I really enjoyed listening to, to her share her insight and her stories. One of the, the memorable things to me you know, me being from Yolk Workspace and Community, I focused in on whenever she would talk about the office and how she sort of saw the, mm, maybe the mission of an office change over time. She mentioned that currently about 20% of her employees are using the office. And another memorable thing was she's mentioned that a few people have left uh, Grand Parade on account of the fact that not enough people are using the office and I guess they're, they kind of feel lonely there. So for me, those points were really memorable. What about you? For me, it was the experience uh, that Daria had after she moved from Electrolux, right? Like she wanted to go to this local company, smaller company when she can have an impact. And while she was having her notice period and in the meantime, the company was acquired by this bigger British company. So that was funny for me because it shows actually and her stories and personality how important it is to be agile and to understand that, okay, maybe 
when you have the interview and when you are have, ha- having the actual discussions, your JD is presented in a way, your job description, but when you join, it's totally different organization, right? Sure. So I think that's very interesting. And also her stories of how to actually join such uh, organization, how to join such role. These are all insights that anyone out there can can learn from. So guys, thanks a lot for listening. If you like it, give us a review and enjoy the next show. Thanks a lot. Take care. Bye. Take care. Thank you for listening. Growth Gossip was recorded at Yoke Workspace and Community in Krakow. If you enjoyed listening, please give us a share. Or review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to us. See you next time. See ya. Thank you.